This is the Marriage Bites Podcast, Episode 55, Marriage Advice with Kurt and Ashley Price. Welcome to the Marriage Bites Podcast. Today I have two special guests with me. I have Kurt and Ashley Price. Kurt, uh, now for some of you, you know my last name is Price as well, and yes, he is my little brother. Uh, I don't know how little you are now, but... uh, I think I'm still bigger than you. Anyway, uh, Kurt and I, we, we were raised in a small farm in eastern Washington. Um, did a lot of farming. I would say we did man's work for a number of years, and I think it uh, put a lot of miles on our body. Uh, but now Kurt, is uh, he, he works for Bear in their crop science division as a production lead uh, in the state of Missouri. Is that correct, Kurt? That's correct. Yep. Um, he's been married to his wife, Ashley. For 18, as, as my dad would say, 18 long years. No, it's not really been long years. It's been the best years of his life. Ashley's like, I'm going to send you a fist in the mail. Uh, they have four children together, and Kurt has been a bishop of his church congregation now for two years, where he deals with a lot of different things. He works with the youth, he works with adults, and well, does a lot with that. And Ashley, what are you doing these days? I'm doing the mom thing, so... Uh, my youngest is four, so he's still at home with me for another year. So we're just, you know, shuffling kids around and hanging out with my little guy. She brings organization to chaos, I will say. Yeah. So our our youngest is three and a half. And oh, my word, I, I know how you feel. They just they run everywhere and get into everything. And whew. well, good. Um Hey, real quick. It's funny. You mentioned um, growing up and the work that we did. I always tell people that we lived a life before we lived a life. And people don't understand what that means. But I think that means that because I feel like my body is shot. So I think it's we lived a life of, like you said, man work. But my earliest memories till now is like, I kind of get a kick out of that because it's so true. And many people just don't believe it. Believe what we did. But. They, they don't. It's We tell them the stories. And I know we've talked about this on other occasions where we'll talk to, we'll tell people about our experiences and they're like, that didn't happen. I'm like, no, it really did. And it really did. I, I remember uh, when we were pretty young still, we had just started farming as kids and uh, our dad, he'd hire on teenagers in high school or just out of high school or some of them are in the early twenties. And, and they would complain about how hard our dad worked them. Mm. They were driving harrow beds and stuff, picking up bales and, and they would get upset about how much, Lynn Price, our dad was working them. Us, us kids are working more hours than you guys, and we're getting paid nothing. And we're getting, we're doing more manual labor than they were. Right. It's true. But you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. There's something to be said work with working the ground and working with your family. And even though you hate each other when you're doing it, it's it's an amazing experience and you can learn a lot. I think here. it's given you a really, I mean, Kurt has an amazing work ethic. Yeah, I mean, unparalleled from anybody I've ever met. So I don't, you know, I can't speak for you personally, Monty, but I think a lot of it stems from growing up on a farm. I work at night right now. I've been working grave shift and I'm telling you what, it blows a lot. It really sucks. And today I got off work and I came home and usually I can go to, I can go to sleep within 30 minutes of coming home. I laid down in bed and I could not sleep. I couldn't sleep. I've had about two hours of sleep. So 
of life. Yeah, I'm running on about two cylinders right now, and I I called in sick tonight. I'm like, I'm not coming in. It's I'm beat. I don't know why. I get these insomnia bouts. That's good. I actually just uh, I just hired a guy who was part of the uh, New Madrid Police Department out here. Young guy, um, but he's uh, he's near the force. He went to the academy. Everything he's been on um, probably the last couple of years. He's been through a couple of departments already, but. He quit the one because the guy, um, his chief, his chief's son, he had to arrest his chief's son a few uh-huh. times. Uh-huh. He'd been doing. <clears throat> go around the court system and get his boy out. And so this guy said, you know what? If that's how you're going to do it, then here's my two weeks notice. So he quit that, that position. Went to a different, went to a different um, department. Anyways, he... Uh, he had some deaths in his family, but recently his best friend just committed suicide and just a lot of emotional stuff. And his wife and him finally said, you know what? He was coming home a different person than he should have been. And so he finally said, they're like, we're done. So he actually just put his two weeks in here a few weeks ago. And and uh, we hired him on. But in the meantime, he's been working somewhere else. But it just shows that that is a mentally, it is an exhausting and depreciating role to be a police officer yeah it is um that's something that we've had to deal with in our marriage is is my role as a police officer and the the horrors that i see and truly horrors that you see and uh and then you're supposed to just leave those horrific calls and go on to the next thing and you really have to compartmentalize and you i mean i can you know, they talk about in law enforcement that there is calls that stay with you, calls for service that stay with you and uh, that haunt you. And I'm telling you what is it is so true. And uh, I mean, I'm thinking about it. And I'm starting to feel emotional about it. it. When you go to a call where a, a teenager has hung himself mm-hmm. and his mom comes home while you're there and she realizes that her son is dead um, and those the weeping and wailing, it just man, it gets you. Images you can never get out of your head. Yeah. And then you find, you know, I found out that that was a real call they went to. And um, he had committed suicide, it was LDS family. His parents had found out the night before that he had been looking at pornography and it like shattered, they like shattered the whole family. And he was like, I can't get over this. Um, everyone's going to judge me and I, I can't deal with it. So he killed himself. And it's like such a little thing, you know, that he did. And really in the scheme of things, he probably could have got over it. He, you know, he could have worked through it, but he just was like, my life is over. And I think it was a lot of that things that were taught and a lot of things that were programmed into him. And man, that was a tough one. I left that call and man, it's freaking hard. <laughs> I left that call and called Andalyn and man, I broke down and bald and bald. I can't believe it's affecting me this much. And so Man, that call sticks with me, and I don't know how to get rid of it. You don't. That's uh, tough. Sorry about that. <clears throat> so I know how that guy feels. Yeah. But you deal with it like last night. I mean, started my shift dealing with the lady who had died in her her, her easy chair, and um, her husband came in and just thought she was sleeping. Sat down, watched his basketball game, and after an hour and a half, he realized she was dead. You know. And we had to finally left that scene and had to go to, you know, something else, you know, people are fighting over things. And it's like, you know, the people you, the things you guys fight over is so petty 
uh, if you just had some perspective in life and had an eternal perspective, you might, you might do things differently. You've been a bishop of your, your ward for two years. You would be, I guess you would call yourself an ecclesiastical leader. Right. Um, with that, I assume you, you talk to and you counsel with married couples when they're having trouble. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. So what kind of, what kind of things have you seen as a bishop? What, what are some of the troubles or challenges that you see with married couples? Um, when people come into your office to talk to you, typically it always starts as a one-on-one and never a two-on-one because obviously they're seeking counsel as to whether how big of an issue it might be, or maybe there's something they can do to resolve their own. They're just seeking some support at the moment. Usually it's two people coming in. Um, but usually the causes of some of those issues or contentions within a relationship or the divisions, communication is a, is a big issue. I think a lack of communication, I think a lack of communication is an issue for most any relationship, whether it be marriage, whether it be siblings, whether it be work relationships, so forth. So, I mean, I find communication is, or a lack thereof is probably one of the biggest um, issues because often people hear certain things that might trigger a different thought process or emotion. And many times they shut down in some ways when they hear something or they perceive a different way. And I've mentioned many times that perceptions can be one of um, the biggest drivers of miscommunication because often we hear these things and we compartmentalize, we shut down, we focus on the, how many times have you ever been in a conversation when someone's giving you feedback, a one-on-one from a manager or a supervisor, you hear something negative and you start just shutting down. You're just dwelling on that thought or you're, or whatever. And often people do that. Yeah, they do. And so that happens, I think, a lot in marriage and conversations is we tend to have, tend to lack of communication and that we, we dwell on misperceptions. And many times if we just sit down and communicate, we can share our thoughts. We can work through those perceptions. I, I think I think you hit a nail on the head there. It's we We've talked about that in a lot of previous podcast episodes where we don't necessarily do just communication, but we always bring it in somewhere is that the communication is always off. And I, I like what you said that people take one little thing and they hold onto that nugget and they don't hear anything else. Or they, one thing I've seen, even with my own marriage is that um, my wife and I'll be communicating and talking or something. And one of us will take what they mean wrong. Like they don't understand because maybe I'm not communicating right or she's not communicating right, like not conveying what the message that is wanting to be said and their perception, they get then stuck on that perception. They think they know what you're talking about, but they really don't, or they think they really know how you feel, but they really don't. And it's, and it's because of that breakdown of communication or, or they find themselves being triggered emotionally by whatever you've said. Right. And, and the communication breaks down. I think too, it, so perceptions is one. I think sometimes not knowing how to properly communicate can be another. Um, or sometimes myself, I struggle finding the correct word sometimes. Same here. Same here. And there's times that in my mind, I know how I want to say something or how I anticipate something going, but it doesn't come out that way. And sometimes it gets me into trouble because it, I say it, then realize I, that, that didn't come out the way I wanted to, but it might then, then it's perceived as something different. Ashley is here, and she could probably say, "Yeah, there's many times that she's wanted to probably smack me because of that." But the truth is, I love her, and I always had the best intentions for her, and I would 
I tell her, I was like, I would never do anything that would willfully or voluntarily hurt you or try to offend you in any way, you know? And so if it comes out that way, most time or 900 percent of the time, it's, it's probably a misperception or I just don't, can't find the words. Right? I don't know how to, I don't know how to say them. And I find that happens sometimes, you know, as a bishop, you're talking to people. It's, I really got to be conscious how I, how I use my, how I use my, my words with my feedback. And I found though many times in my one-on-ones that in that situation, the words are put in my, in my mind, what I, I should say. Um, but the, I'd say right now, that's probably the biggest thing is probably communication. Sometimes too, we could talk about this more as we go, but I mentioned before we talked offline a while ago, I mentioned pride in a relationship can also lead to issues. Um, sometimes people aren't willing to come together as, as, as one or to accommodate others' interests. When you have two people, two opposites in a way coming together, you have to find areas to bend and to, to mold together. Because um, that's, that's you're, you're going from being two separate things, persons, individuals with personalities, likes and dislikes, and you got to find a way to meld them together. Would you say, so a lot of people say you should compromise, but is really that, is that what you should do? Or is it more of a collaborating? I would say collaborate. I wouldn't say compromise because when you're compromising, you're forfeiting who you are. You're forfeiting individuality. Right. In many ways. Right. But when you're, when you find, I wouldn't say compromise, when you find, when you find yourself melding together, I think you're, you're, you're changing the DNA of a relationship. Yeah. And that's something that I think that, you know, we, we should look at doing. I, I look at when you, when you go into an orchard or vineyard and you want to graft new limbs onto a tree or a trunk or whatever, um, when you do that, you have a solid foundation. You have something there that is already living and growing or has the potential to be something great. But when you're grafting something on, in a way, you're almost changing the DNA of how that how that is going to grow together and how, how it's going to continue to grow and it can bring forth some of the greatest fruit. Um, but sometimes it takes being willing to cut loose some of that dead limb or some of those things that aren't, aren't doing so well to become something great. So in your marriage, you got to cut away the things that are not working for you. Right. So you said something interesting that pride gets in the way. Can you expand on that and what you kind of developing? What what does that mean? Well, what's the definition of pride? Let's look at that. You know, when we're, we're, I would say Kurt's definition of pride is not being willing to look past one's own self or interests or willing to recognize something great in someone else because you're too flattered and too self-absorbed. I think sometimes in marriage that can happen. When you think only about the things that you want, the activities that you want to do, um, the toys that you may want to have, the time being just your time and not considering what your spouse wants, what their interests are, what things might bring them joy or what what their source of joy is, I think that that's where pride gets in the way. So it's not a true partnership. It's not a true partnership. So I think pride can lead to selfishness and I or else I do they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that. One thing I we've talked about, at least I've talked about on the podcast lots of times is that um, I don't always call it pride, but it's the same thing. And it's 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 an immaturity. I think Um, it's immature to be selfish. It's an immaturity to 
only think of yourself. And that's something that if you're going to have a successful marriage, you, you have to grow out of, you have to get rid of that pride or that selfishness and start thinking about your spouse and your, your significant other, if you will. I think it's a really cool thing and a blessing actually that when most couples traditionally get married, they're younger, right? Mm-hmm. Typically when we're younger, we're a little more immature. We're not as seasoned with our wisdom that we should be. We're more common to make mistakes. We're more common to trip and stumble and fall. Um, and our imperfections are more obvious. And so, and sometimes when we're younger like that, they're, they're more common and they're more easy to shed. And so I think that in some ways, especially as we're, when you're first married, you're younger, you worked, you're more, I guess, also blunt about pointing some of that, that, that stuff out. But It's really, I mean, you're a bishop, you're a man of religion and, and, and of God. And um, I mean, I, I am too, um, but it's, I can't help but say this is that um, I really feel God wants us here to improve and to progress. And if we stay by ourselves and we just stay single, you only can progress so far. But when we're put with another person, it forces us to grow. It forces us to put aside those immaturities if we want to stay with that person. And it it pushes us to growth. It pushes us to maturity, to begin thinking less of ourselves and more about others. I mean, not to say you shouldn't you shouldn't take care of yourself. I'm not saying that you shouldn't just become hundred percent selfless. You still got to take care of yourself, but it really does push you to mature. And I think with that marital, um, uh, if you call it sacrament or marital vows or whatever you call it, uh, if you bring children into that, that's another way that our, that God has put in place to help us grow even more because I've seen couples who, uh, they get married and they're a couple and, and they do they do grow together, but then they choose not to have children. Um, and I think when you have children, that pushes you even more to grow. It makes you lose your hair for certain. Uh, it makes your <laughs> makes your hair fall out. So um, so as you're talking, I had the thought hit me. So in the book of Genesis, you know, when when the creation is taking place and right before man is put on the earth, you know, God asks Christ you know, is it good for man to be alone? And the answer is no, it is not good for man to be alone. Oh. And so why is that? Why is it, is it for the, just the sake of, of reproduction and, and, and continuing one species? Um, obviously that that's probably a piece of it. Um, but if you look at the nature of womanhood or manhood or what you want to call it, there is inherent characteristics that each possess that they need to balance each other out. Um, I think of a marriage, a successful marriage, like that little red band hanging on the middle of a, of a tug of war rope, right? Uh-huh. You, got, you got pulling forces going back and forth. And it's not necessarily a bad pulling force, but that successful marriage is that little red band hanging in the middle of that tug of war. And if you have too much of one side of anything, if, if him and the masculine manhood part is pulling too hard, it's not, it's going to, it's going to win one side. It's not going to be healthy. Or if she's pulling one way too hard on the other side, it's not going to be healthy. And it has to be an equal pull and equal. And so that's how I look at it. And it is, it is not good for man to be alone. And there's many reasons for that. And I think, yes, obviously we got to repopulate the earth, but because of who we are by our nature, whether it be divine nature or so forth, we have to have that. 
and we have to find that, that balance. Yeah, I, I really like that analogy of the tug of war. What a great analogy. Um, so you've identified a couple of things here. Communication, uh, communication breaks down uh, in marriages, and that's one problem that you see with marriages. The other is pride. Um, are there any other things that you've seen with your experiences that have affected people's marriages? Um, I think sometimes it's uh, I've seen people blame their issues on their children, which I don't validate that. I think usually that's an excuse to cover up another issue that we've already discussed. Um, sometimes there could be issues around that are uncontrollable. Like if someone has a medical issue like depression or anxiety, that can put weight on, on, on a marriage. And I've seen that cause problems with between spouses as well. So sometimes it's there just a, uh, with, I wouldn't call it a lack of commitment between the spouses. Sometimes it can be exhaustion over the years um, from having to work through issues that that can cause strain as well. So there's different issues that you can, that are out there. Um, but many times I think it goes back to your faith, what you believe as a bigger picture, why we're here and the purpose of being here and the purpose of marriage I think if you grasp onto that, it doesn't matter what is thrown at you, you're going to find a way through it. And, and you can overlook a lot of stuff, but sometimes people lose a grasp of those basic roots that, that, that might've brought them together as, as, as a couple or the basic roots of their foundation of their faith. And I think that when the, once those things are, are cut short, that tree is going to topple over. And so I think it's important that they don't lose grasp of that. Yeah. I, I actually know of several couples who, who there's mental illness with one of them and um, they've stayed together for years. Boy, the one, the one without the mental illness, they end up wanting to leave because they're just exhausted. They're so exhausted. Um, so far they've all remained in the marriage and they've really worked at working through it, but it sometimes takes professional help, professional intervention. I agree. And that can take a lot of different, uh, um, I guess it can look different ways. I think one more, one one more well as well could also be like a death of a, of a family member of a child that can put a lot of strain on marriage too. And I think sometimes they we got to be willing to, like you said, you meant you, you talked about getting professional help. I think that could also be an option and a need that some people need to need to work through. Yeah, with the things that we've talked about, what kind of advice do you give couples who've had these issues, whether it be pride or communication or death in the family or suck it up, Buttercup. Uh, suck it up buttercup <laughs> i can't say that um it's usually if you try to focus on a big picture at once you're never going to get anywhere so many times when you're doing this with somebody first of all in my position i would say i have to rely upon the lord that's the number one thing that i'm going to do now what that works for other people i i can't say but i say in my position when i'm talking to people that's one thing i would do is i want to bring them back to their faith and back to their roots and their foundations that they have through living the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when I talk to people, it'll be over weeks, months. It could be longer than that because you have to be able to work through these issues, whether it be not as a big picture, but line upon line, mm -hmm. piece by piece. And sometimes it'll be one-on-one -on -one in individuals and then I'll bring them together to talk. And then we can that way I hear perspectives that are not swayed by the other. Cause what sometimes when you have two people in the same room trying to talk about an issue, you quickly learn who is the more dominant figure in that relationship or who, where there's a power struggle because one sometimes gets more timid and quiet and they don't want to open up. They kind of back off and more reserved. And so you don't get to hear the full story. In, in marital marriage counseling, 
world, they call that one up and one down. Right. So I like to get that one-on-one perspective before I bring it together. Cause then if someone's afraid to say something, I'll say it, I'll bring it up. And then once that's opened up, then that person who's a little quiet sometimes is a little more open to say something. Um, but it, it's just, it's just piece by piece. And so it kind of depends on whatever the topic is. I mean, that, that will determine how I proceed from there. Yeah. I think a lot of times people think there should be some sort of silver bullet or magic pill that they can take to fix their marriage. And really there isn't, well, there, there is, and there isn't. I think that every marriage, every relationship is different and has, it's unique. And it, a lot of times we require a unique approach. And that's something that we've talked about, I think a bit on the podcast is you got to figure out what works for you. And sometimes that requires a third party to come in and help mediate. And you as a Bishop, I'm sure that's, I mean, as you were talking that that's what it sounds like. It sounds like you do a lot of mediation. That's exactly what it is. You're, you're a mediator, but you also have to be a facilitator. You know what the destination looks like or should be, you know, where you need, you need to get to. And sometimes you need to help these people kind of, you want them to kind of take ownership and work through some of their own problems, but you got to help us facilitate them how to, how to get there. And because often, and you know this from your physical work or whatever you've done in the past, that when you spend time working on something and invest time and energy and thought into something, at the end of the day, you're going to love it far more and you're going to cherish it far more than if someone just handed you something, right? Right. And that same thing applies to a marriage. If you have to work for it and and sacrifice and do all these things for that marriage to make it, I don't know if I want to use the word sacrifice, but if you have to do things to make that marriage stronger and you invest all this time and effort into it, you're going to appreciate a lot more versus some people who just, when they first get married, it's a hot ball of fire and they, they think all about, you know, whether it be physical things or, Hey, we're playing house for the first few years of our life or whatever it might be. But as soon as kids start coming along and jobs start getting strenuous and life starts really, your mortgage is, is, is straining on your funds or whatever it might be, life gets real. And sometimes that puts a lot of strain on marriages and that, that glowing phase of an early marriage starts to fade. And you have to remember back, why did you marry this person? Or what was the purpose? And I can say why I got married. It wasn't always just for one thing, but it was for the full package. And I married that because Ashley's got all that for me. Yeah. You know, I'm really hoping that uh, he's not speaking too much from personal experience here as he's like, you know, you have to sacrifice or work at it. I'm speaking for people I've talked with. Um, yeah, I hope so. So um, one thing I wanted to add to is, you know, Kurt's talking about investing time. I think it's really important that you date your spouse. Right. Like forever date them because I mean, especially with like how busy he is right now between his job and his calling. Um, and then our family life, it's just, it's nuts. So like just last weekend, for example, I was like, Hey, can we go pick up this, these chairs that are 50 minutes away or whatever. And so that was our date. You know, we drove 50 minutes together, 50 minutes back. Micro date, a power date. Yeah, we call them mini dates. But it was just allowed us to spend some time together away from the kids, away from work. That's such a great point. We, we've talked, we did a whole episode on what we call mini dates and that's what it is. And that's what Andal and I try to do is we try to 
if we can find time to spend together, even if it's just going to Walmart, uh, we do it. Um, sometimes we'll just go get an ice cream cone. Uh, well, not, not really an ice cream cone. We'll go get a blizzard. I mean, let's be real. Uh, uh, but we, we were actually talking about how it doesn't have to be anything too crazy or, or huge. And we've talked about, you need to have quantity time together, but also quality time. Sometimes it takes time together uh, before you can get to that quality time. Um, I know on Andalyn's website, there's a thing where you can, you can look up, uh, I think it's 20 date ideas or something. And we actually started doing some of those and it's been really, it's actually been really fun. Uh, this last Sunday, we, we went to our bedroom, locked the door and we, we played one of the games and uh, it was really fun. Um, we played Uno with the cards facing the other way. Like I was holding her cards facing her and back and forth and, you can do all sorts of different stuff with that. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. But uh, it, it's fun. And I agree with you, Ashley, is that you can, there's that you need to spend whatever time you can together, especially when things get busy. I know with my job, I generally get to spend three nights with my wife a week. And, and that I'm telling you what, that puts a strain on a marriage. And so anytime we can find to be together, we do it. Yeah. It's important. And we haven't always and when we hadn't, it put strain on our marriage. And, you know, everybody, everybody who's in a marriage who is honest has challenges to get through. It's just, I think it's especially hard with military and law enforcement families. It's really tough. Yeah, we try to find times we can. There's, and there's times that I, my selfishness kicks in. I was like, well, I, I want to do this for myself. But it's not just my wife now I'm thinking, I'm thinking of my children too. And that they also need to have time with their, with their parents as well. And so that's tough to find that perfect balance, especially when you're working from, I'm a, I leave for the office at just after six in the morning. And I get home at lately. It's been like five 35, maybe it was five 45 night. So you're gone for like 12 hours a day almost. Yeah. And you, home, you still have stuff to take care of in the house. You know, and my phone never stops for my calling too. people are until 10 30 and 11 o'clock at night sometimes wanting stuff or calling. And, and that that's fine. I'm not complaining about it, but, Cause I know I'll be blessed for all those things, but you got to find balance um, because no matter, even though I have this calling, we're just normal people. We still have lives. We still go through the ups and downs, the heartache, the emotional trials. And so you got to match all that with yet. You got to also bring on a strong face too. And that's not always the easiest thing to do, yeah. but you hit really hit up on a really important point. There is that we're all just normal people and we go through things. And sometimes when we are having trouble in our marriages or, or having just, problems in general, we sometimes think that we're the only ones that are having that problem. And that's one of the purposes of this podcast is to let other people know that, hey, everyone else is having these same problems. Everyone else goes through these things. And knowing that is a strength, I think. Right. It, you know, or at least it, it helps it helps buoy you up to know that, hey, if, if they're struggling with it too, and they're making it, I can too. Well, I always say, if you think you got it really hard, you should examine someone else's life. Um, since I was putting this calling a couple of years ago, there's been many times I've came home and I mentioned to Ashley and I was like, we should be grateful for what we have. We should be so grateful for our home and for all that we've been blessed with, because we start looking at your trials, how hard you have it. And then you compare that to someone else who might've lost a child or has gone through some serious heartache or some serious physical or mental, emotional trials, whatever it might be. You think that ah, maybe my life doesn't look so bad, you know? And I really hope that when we do start to get through those hard times, that we take the time to not 
turn the mirror back on ourselves, but to put it down and start looking around us and see where else we can do some good. Because if we focus on ourselves, we're just gonna, it'll be a spiral slope quickly down. Right. Well, is there any other words of wisdom that you can give our listeners about marriage and the things that you've seen from either of you? So I think we have a pretty good marriage. I think we do. We try not to fight. Or I don't think we've ever fought. Have you had pretty good arguments though? We've had, we, we have disagreements. So that, I'll just put this analogy. So I used to do a lot of construction and even on our house or we had a business years ago. Um, and I used to make the analogy because some people would get so mad when they walk into a new house or whether landscaping or whether it be whatever, and they flip a switch day one and something doesn't work, you know, or for the first few weeks, they have all these little bugs to work through. And I always tell people, when you go and you take thousands of little parts or even hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of pieces, and you put it together to make something beautiful, it doesn't mean that it's going to, the first day, everything's going to work, it's going to work, work perfect. It takes time to work out some of those bugs, but I do know eventually it will work. And even with any kind of a home or construction job, whatever, over time, things start to degrade and it takes maintenance. You have to still keep up all those things. You have to take care of them and fix things. And that's okay. That's that's part of what we live in this life. I mean, whether it be a home, what your marriage can be the same way. We have two people that come together from, so Ashley and I, she's from South Carolina. I'm from Washington State. I often joke that I had to go down to South Carolina to find somebody I wasn't really related to, to get married to somebody. But when you have people from that far away, not far away, that, that, that different kind of personality, she's from the city or within town in South Carolina. We were raised on a farm in Southeast Washington state where there was really nobody a stone's throw from you. Different lifestyles completely. Different cultures. Different cultures. Everything, not everything, most things are different. Um, what One thing I can say that we do have that is the same is that her family is the exact same size as our family, same amount of brothers and sisters, and in the exact same order as our family. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but when two different cultures, everything, yet we come together and make something beautiful. And I, many people have come to us and said, I want to have a marriage like Kurt and Ashley. And that's a compliment to me because me, I'm like the person behind the camera thinking, you know, I'm not perfect, but people only see what's right in front of them. It's like that whole social media, Facebook thing. You look at Facebook and think, oh, so-and-so's life is perfect. Right. But you don't see what's all behind the camera. You don't see all the chaos or the hurt or the struggles or the, you know, depression or whatever it might be. You just, you just only see what you want to see. And I got to be careful because I, 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 I get on Facebook sometimes and I think that sometimes I need to knock that stuff off because I think that can be a tool to adversary sometimes. So, but I don't know. What else do you want to, any pearls of wisdom? Um, a kind of a rule that we've set in place from like maybe day one, day one is to never go to bed angry. So if we are upset about something, like we have to talk about it before bed, because if you, the longer you just dwell on it, the angrier you get. And so I think that's been very helpful for me, especially. Yeah. I don't like going to bed upset. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that before. Um, it's a little different with my wife and I, we've, we've gone to bed angry before, uh, but it's, it's given us time to defuse, but we, I would say we always come back either the next day, or maybe a couple of days and we're able to bring it back together 
And however you do that is what's important, whether you do it before you go to bed or go to sleep or as long as you do it, I think that's, it really matters. So I'll share a little something. When I was on my mission for our church years ago, um, I had a companion on my mission and I believed that having multiple companions is like marriage prep <laughs> because you have all these different personalities that you live with and you learn things you like and things you don't like. Right. But I had a companion I did not get along with at all. And I was um, a leader over his own at the time and they didn't like him either because of his the way he came off and the way he was arrogant and the way he came off. And it might just me reading into it bad, but the work had stopped in our area because we did not get along. Well, anyways, one night I had enough and we went back to the apartment and we shut the door. And for the next two or three hours, we had a little companionship inventory where we went through and we talked about all these things that were bothering us. And it was, it was long and it was, it was uncomfortable. Um, but we worked through all these issues and that individual became one of my favorite companions. And after that, the work took off. And it was amazing to see when you're not working together as one, you're not happy. I mean, everybody else can see it, whether you think it or not. Um, but you don't feel like you're in rhythm. I think that was a lesson I learned, which is why we don't go to bed angry is because we want to have that inventory, make sure that we're in a good place. And this goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. Communication is so important. And usually 99, 9.9% .9 of the time, it's because me or her might have misinterpreted something or only heard a little piece of it, not actually the bigger picture. So, and we find that if we just talk about it, we usually work things out and life is good again. And yeah, I try with that. I try not to jump to conclusions when Kurt has said something that I'm like, okay, that surely this is not what he means when he says this, you know? And so I, then I will ask him be like, wait, so what you're saying is, and then he'll often, no, 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 that is not what I'm saying, you know? So I think it's helped to, I try and give him the benefit of the doubt. And I think he does that for me as well. When I say something that doesn't come out right. Yeah. That's, uh, it sounds like active listening, really a good uh, point there. Sometimes I think we get triggered by things that are said. Sometimes we have a hard time active listening, actively listening, really trying to hear what the other person is saying. Um, well, is there anything else? I'll tell you, I definitely married up. I'll tell you that. <laughs> she married, I can say the same and thing. she married down. <sighs> and she probably feels the same way. I do. See, that's, that's perfect. I like that a lot. Marriage isn't easy, but it's also the greatest institution you could ever invest in. Yeah. And I would hope that anybody out there can look past the stereotypes of the world and what people see on the news or television shows because they're going to paint what they want to paint and not how it truly should be. And so, yeah, I hope that people will learn to look at their spouse the way that they did when they first got married. And, and they always strive to do what they should be doing and live how they should be doing and, and putting themselves second, not first in a relationship. I think they'll always see that person as the person that always married and they always get better looking every day. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I tell, I tell Andal on that too. I'm like, you look so much better than when I married you. And she's like, no, I don't. I'm getting gray hairs. And I'm like, I'm telling you, you are. I would take my Ashley now nearly 18 years later than I would when she was 20 years old. And I don't mean that from a physical standpoint anyway, or however emotional or whatever. 
I mean that because we've grown together. Yeah. We've lived together. We've experienced together and where we've matured together. And so obviously I'm not the stallion I used to be probably, but you know, <laughs> um, the stallion. Now you're like, a, not, now you're like I'm a Burford bull. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Put out, out the pasture. Yeah. You're all marbled out now. Am yeah, I'm, I'm like a was it fur on the bowl laying under my tree sniffing flowers, but but yeah that's that's me and Ashley so well fantastic well hey thank you for being on the uh, podcast today uh, really some great things uh, that you guys had to say um, Ashley appreciate you chiming in there uh, hopefully our listeners will get something really good out of this I think there's a lot of really good things that were said um, communication boy what a great topic that is and really some good things and then about pride. Um, and then the good marriage advice there at the end. Uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. And I hope you found this informative and fun. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Bites podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Let us know what you took away from this episode by sending us an email at info at you can also see what we're up to on Facebook and Instagram at Andalyn Price Coaching. Or you can visit my website, andalynprice.com, to learn more. See you next week. Bye! Bye. We've kind of gotten, we've kind of already started this, I guess. Maybe we'll do our, at the end of this, I'll do the introduction, then Andalyn can move to That's the fine. front. How does Perfect. that sound? Uh, we're, I'm sitting here looking at you on Zoom and your hair is definitely falling out. Mine is pretty much gone. <laughs> this is about as long as it gets. I've already shaved it off a few times. My, my hair gets really big and fluffy on the side and it reminds me of characters on Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> they can invent a Chia pet for brown hair. I'd go for it. <laughs> can you imagine? They need some sort of Star Trek gadget. See, I'm bringing Star Trek into it. Andal is going to be like, stop bringing Star Trek into it. You know, they have these things called dermal regenerators. Yes. They can have something for hair, you know, like a follicle stimulator. <laughs> they probably cured all that in the 24th century. They probably did. <laughs>